Welcome, everybody, to the Building Aaronsburg podcast. I'm Thomas Aaronsburg. And I'm Catherine Aaronsburg. You guys don't forget to subscribe, hit five stars, and refer us to your friends so you can get in on this amazing conversation we're about to have. We got a good one today. I think it's good. Thought-provoking. Um, yeah. We'll see where <laughs> You it don't sound us. sure about that. This is one of those situations where we've already talked about it, and I have a feeling you're going to be like, it, I think I hit, it hits you better when you're just fresh, and I hit you with a new idea, so you're thinking about it. But I'm hoping that you'll be able to give me examples Okay. back and forth. Okay, so today we're going to talk about improv, life improv. So... I listened to an episode of a podcast that I subscribed to, uh, and I can't remember its name right offhand. I know that it's an office, re- it's not an office rewatch podcast, but it's with Brian Baumgartner, who is Kevin. He plays Kevin on The Office, if mm-hmm. you're an Office fan. And um, he has a podcast where he is interviewing all of the, pre- like anybody that had to do with The Office, um, the showrunner, the actors, right. producers, producers, set designers, like all the people, yep. which are all different perspectives. And um, it's really interesting for me to kind of hear the backdrop of all those things with the background information. And so his most recent, well, the one I listened to, I don't know if it's his most recent episode, but it was Greg, Greg Daniels, who is the creator mm-hmm. of yeah. The Office. He's, he's created a, a lot of shows. Yeah, he's not just- prolific. And um, he also created Parks and Rec, so you can kind of get an idea for the kind of show he produces. But um, anyway, so he uh, was being interviewed, and they were discussing an episode of The the Office um, called Dundee. I think it was the episode called Dundee's, but essentially um, the set is in a Chili's, a mm-hmm. restaurant. And um, he so... They wanted the ca- they wanted the cast to be in a Chili's, so they wanted it to seem as authentic as possible. And so they reached out to Chili's and got some just items. Chili's did not pay to sponsor the episode. It was nothing like that. But they wanted it to look like a Chili's and be relatable. And so they got menus and all kinds of things. Now, mm-hmm. this was all given by Chili's. This isn't what, right. wasn't like they went out and found this stuff or like went to a Chili's and stole it or something like right. they got it from the restaurant. So they go through and they've written all the scripts and they're acting it like they're, they're filming it right. Mm-hmm. They're actively filming it, had it all in the can. And, um, apparently Chili's finally got around to reading the script. Maybe, I don't know if they got around to it or if they got their hands on it. I'm not sure what happened, but they read the script and they said, absolutely not. This can, we cannot, you can't show our stuff if you're going to yeah. do this because in the script, one of the main characters, Pam, um, she basically gets overserved, And so she's so drunk, she falls off of a stool. Right. And, um, so they did not like that because I think they mentioned on the podcast that at the time Chili's was being sued for overserving, So mm-hmm. they definitely could not have that on national television. Right. So Greg Daniels, the showrunner, was in a panic. They is that had, his official title? You keep saying showrunner. Is he like the director? Showrunner, show I believe, is the creator of the show, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, I think. Guys, I don't know. I've never heard that phrase before. Showrunner is for producer sure. producer and director. Showrunner is 100% a title. It is a thing. Okay. Yes. Um, and so he was in a panic because they had had in their mind this whole time they were doing this set of lines they had already had it recorded Mm -hmm. and at this time that was a pretty early episode yeah it was maybe season two i thought it was in the first season but it might even be season one yeah they certainly were not the popular show sure yet and so they didn't have money backing they i mean i've listened to enough of those episodes of podcasts about the office to know that they were being approved for like 
two episodes at a time and yeah. then three episodes at a time. Like mm-hmm. they could have been had the rug pulled under them at any given time. Sure. They didn't have a huge budget. And so um, they had already shot like half of the episode basically that they had spent all this time writing. You know, they, there's pre-writing that happens. And by mm-hmm. the time they get to shooting it, like we're, we're going, yeah, everything's you know, everything's done. And so they had already shot over half of the episode and um, it would have cost them like hundreds of thousands of dollars to redo it. And he panicked like, yeah, like, what do I do? And, um, well, you can't reshoot it. I mean, it would be too, it'd be cost prohibitive. It was, yeah, it was cost prohibitive and it's time prohibitive too. Like they've got other things to shoot. They're on the right. schedule. They yeah. got to release this stuff. Right. Cause then after it shot, it goes to editing and all this. And so he said, that's where Steve Carell came in. Now, if you don't know the background of Steve Carell, who plays Michael Scott on the show, um, you know, the actors are actors, right? They right. do they do what they're asked to do. Mm-hmm. Like, they've got lines. They learn their lines. That's their job. Sure. Their job is to not be really involved in storylines or... Um, production. Production. Any of Editing. it. That's not their job. Right. But Steve Carell came... His background is in uh, improv. Mm-hmm. He went through, I think they call it Second City or something like that. They've got them kind of all over the place, I think, in different parts of the country. But it's an improv, like learning center kind of a thing and several of the cast members from the office had come from that background of improv which is a great thing for the show that they were on um so steve but steve carell's like the master of it and so um greg daniels is panicking and again he's not going to reach out to the actors and be like what should we do everyone let's workshop this idea yeah Yeah, he was panicking and apparently steve carell noticed he was panicking and asked how he could help so greg daniels explained the whole problem and Steve Carell instantly had an idea to fix it. Like, could we do this, this, and this? Or maybe he had multiple ideas of how to mm-hmm. fix it. And Greg said, like, he gave all the credit to Steve Carell. And he said, I never would have come up with that idea. It's yeah. just not how my brain works. Like, when your brain is in a, it used to doing improv type stuff, you can come up with almost anything to, like, sure. improv your way out of a out of a brown bag. What do they always say? Is that what they say? I don't know. I don't know that expression. A paper bag. They always have a paper bag. Like, they can't whatever themselves out of a paper bag. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. He couldn't design himself out of a paper bag. Right. Um, (laughs) So, so Steve Carell came up with a solution. Chili's was fine with it. They were able to continue to, they were able to change it after they had already shot it. Like, they Mm -hmm. were able to add something at the end that fixed it all up. Essentially, what they ended up doing was Pam... Like after she had been over, she wasn't overserved. Really, what happened was she was drinking everyone else's drinks. That's right. what happened. She was stealing so drinks. Basically. She was stealing other people's drinks, yeah. right? And then she fell off the bar stool. But Chili didn't want the indication that she had been overserved. Right. And so at the end that they had not shot yet, one of the Chili servers came out and banned her from Chili's for life. Yeah. That was the part that Steve Carell came up with. Mm-hmm. And I'm running. I'm listening to this podcast and I'm running as yeah. I'm listening to it, which is always like my thought thoughtful time. And I thought, isn't that an interesting? way to look at life what are what are we improvs like how can being an improv at anything in life it just seems like it improves everything it makes everything easier to handle and not so frustrating after all and i think i think you're good at it i mean if you're not right and so it made me think in all the tumultuous like social media and political and coronavirus it made me feel like we've exposed how bad most people are at improving uh maybe I mean, people I, panicked 
Yeah. <laughs> and it, or people are panicking yeah. about a lot of different things. And that's not to say this isn't important or whatever, but... I think there's a lot of people that are doing a really good job. I think so, too. Figuring it out. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. But it made me think, huh, how could I improve in other things better in my life? And how could I start to look at struggles as opportunities to improv? Yeah. Uh, because I'm very good at... So I wanted to talk to you about what do you feel like you're good at improving and what do you feel like you're bad at improving and what do I think I'm good at improving and what do I think I'm bad at improving and I will say that I know I've gotten better but I haven't looked at it as improv I think looking at it in this perspective will change things for me but you know that I've always been bad at changing plans on the fly on the fly mm-hmm. in our lives especially when it involves our children and child care right that is like yeah you're really bad at that like the worst at it yeah if we have our kids set up to go to a certain place and then that thing falls through we're just going to stay home there's no amount of well we can shuffle them over here nope we're not yeah. doing it we're that's, just that's your default that's my default we will just stay home i will not improv that and i yeah. i don't know if that's an amount of i don't want to improv it also probably too but there are some people who go into a panic about when th- plans change or things don't go the way that they think that they're going to, mm-hmm. it's just like things, like one thing falls apart and everything falls apart. Right. Because they can't get back on track. Well, but again, I think part of it is, you just hit on it, is how much do you want to have to do something, you know? Like if, if we have plans for the kids to do X, Y, and Z after school and one of the things changed, we don't have a ride, one of the things got canceled, whatever. If you're not in the mood to have to deal with that, I think you're, you're, which most of the time you're not, I think your default is, okay, we'll just forget it. We just, we're just, we're just not going to do any of it. We're just cancel all of it yeah. and bring everyone home. Yeah. That is my default. That's is so, okay, that's my, I will fully admit I'm bad at improving when it comes to that kind of thing. Can you yeah, but think, I think it's because you don't want to. Well, that's true. Have to do. It. Whereas I'm a hundred. Like, if if we had, you know, we have four kids, and if if all four of them had something to do, and one of them fell through, and then another one is getting moved, but it's still going on, you're just like cancel it all. We're you know, back. <laughs> return to home base. We'll start over. Whereas you, I'll sit there and I'll try to figure out a way. That yeah. This person can get a ride with this person. I can go pick them up if they can meet me here and then go get this kid and come back over here. If you could meet me here to do this. You just saying it makes me want to punch you in the face. Like I can't even handle just what you just said. Like I don't like any of that. Yeah, I'm like... I don't like any of it. Redirecting dots and connecting things. I can't do it. I would... I'll start to pray more on that. (laughs) Make me able to improv better. Well, I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing, but... So is there anything that you're not good at improving? I don't know. You'd maps. have to think of one. Maps. Any kind of like mess up with a map. Um, yeah. Losing anything. We talked about that last time though. Yeah. You get so out of whack and so frustrated you can't move on with I your life. I get frustrated, but I think I I think I get upset that I have to do it. You know, like I'd, I'd like a, to have a plan for that kind of stuff. Here's and, a better thing though. When it comes to like football, your job, right? Sure. If things are going really bad with a game mm-hmm. and you think the team's going to be really easy to beat or you plan for the team to be one right. way that you're playing. Yeah, we thought we could throw the ball, but we can't throw the ball. Yes, oh. I think that's a little more applicable to 
um, maybe even job success as well. Mm-hmm. I think job success is probably a place where most people need to be able to improvise. Maybe yeah, so, more than the childcare thing. Um, so I was thinking about that this morning. You brought this conversation to us yesterday. and But I was thinking about it this morning. That was plenty of time the, for you to think about it. It is. Because <laughs> I was improving. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, but I, the, the word that I hear a lot is adaptability. Sure, it's the same thing. I don't know that it's the same thing. Cause, and so here's what I think. I think adaptability means like you have time to like return to base. Let's drop some new plans. You know, maybe walk through the plan a hundred times in our head. Do you think and, improv, and now let's improv, improv is more like more we need the... to make a decision right now. We have five seconds. Oh. Or it needs to be done. We don't have we don't have the Dear time audience, to... this is where Thomas and I always get hiccups. It's in the semantics of things, just like this. Because I would disagree with that definition. But it doesn't matter. Whatever you think it is. So do you Well, I think there's a difference though between you having a few hours to come up with a solution versus a few weeks to come up with a solution. Okay, the reason I have an argument with that is that as a designer, I think that I'm extremely able. Like my ability to improvise in my job is mm-hmm. at an extremely high level. Like possibly yeah, the you, highest level. Do you do it on the fly or do you do like, well, let me come back, get on the computer, look at a few inspiration things, pictures, what other people are doing. I can do it on the fly. Okay. So to me that I would describe that as improv but versus I can, you coming home and sitting down for hours or days at a time before you come up with a solution. Okay, so, but ultimately where I want to get with this conversation is what makes people able to be so good at improv? I think it is a practiced trait. Oh, for sure. I don't think it's something you're born with. I think it's something that you have to hone, a skill you have to hone, and how do you practice it? I can tell you that the reason I am so good at improving in my job as a designer is because um, of my childhood. Coming from like six kids, I used to decorate my room all the time mm-hmm. and I decorated with Goodwill and thrift store stuff. Like we, right. I wasn't going to get to go pick out my inspiration pieces and then go and put my room together. Right. That was not happening. Right. And so I had to make look good whatever I was able to literally just find, like mm-hmm. found things. I remember I had... Um, do you remember the, you probably don't remember, you're a boy, girls may remember this, um, they used to have candles, it was like two candles, but the wicks were still uh, together, like the way that they would dip candles is they would take one long wick and mm-hmm. hold the wick in the center and dip two candles at a time, does that make sense, the no. ends of the wicks, no? No. Would become a tapered. I cannot visualize what you're talking about <laughs> right now. So they would become a tapered, two tapered candles. Imagine one long rope, which is which okay. is a wick, right? Mm-hmm. The ends of the the rope, if you dip both of those uh, sides into you. wax, yeah. each of those will become a candle. Sure. The way that they trim a wick, they just cut the center up. Right. You know, they just cut them in half and then that becomes two candles. Sure. So I had those hanging. Like that was part of my decoration. I would do like one high and one low and... But it's like, who the heck would show up to a garage sale and be like, those candles, those, like, they're not to be burned. You right. ain't going to cut those and burn them in a in a candle holder. Mm-hmm. They're just going to, like, hang on to a knob somewhere. And, you know, how do you, how do I make my bed so it looks like a professional made the bed? Like, how do you layer all the sheets? I could buy, like, a floral twin size sheet and do, like, a, a solid 
twin size sheet and I could find all those things individually like people were selling sets of sheets at yard sales right or at Goodwill but I could find a pretty floral sheet that I loved and match it with the sheet that my mom had already purchased for that bed set and so like I would put it all together and I was like honing my improv skills for designing my entire childhood sure and I mean we still do it now in our own house I don't go out and buy retail uh, anything pretty much so how do you create a beautiful space with just the stuff that you're able to like come across, right. like literally come across yeah. at the store yeah. is what it, what it comes down to. So I think that's an amazing skill and a thing. I mean, of yeah. course it comes I mean, in it helpful comes to my experience. My I mean, a depth of experience more than not necessarily depth of knowledge, I guess, but just a depth of experience. It's, I would yeah. say it's the same probably for mo- anybody in, in whatever profession they've been in, if they've been in it long enough, I mean, like even See, I don't even know if coaches, that's true. I have there are coaches that you know if you've been in it a long a long time you've seen almost everything there is to see and so you'll come across a situation and be like you know what in 1957 the Chicago Bears yeah, but had I wonder, this and we had to, but I wonder if it's the same as it is with let's okay let's go back to football again you're talking about calling plays and things like that those are you've been in it as the experience but I'm talking about too the improv of like. What if your iPads go out? Like you guys now have the benefit of the sure. technology of iPads. Right. What if your iPads go out? Or what if you don't have? I don't know what the things would be that you wouldn't have at your our radios. Sure, Our radios could go sure. out. Your headphones or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you that I have. I know and you know, am aware of in this world, mm-hmm. not my local world necessarily, but people who are experienced designers as far as. They went to design school just like I did, um, but they don't have necessarily the improv skills because they have always until so that this is happening right now with designers in real time. You're seeing designers who have supply chain issues for the last year and a half who can't get a sofa in or they can't get right. the chairs in or whatever. So they're sunk. So they're sunk. Yeah, they can't. They can't reimagine something sure that they were to go over to maybe an antique store or a consignment store and give to a even if they i'm not saying that all designers need to know how to like diy stuff but they need to be able to see the potential within something an right. object right and so being able to go to a store and go oh we can take that and i can send it to the reupholster and they can do this with it and we can have it painted and do whatever and we can have it by next week right I, that's the kind of improv i'm talking about sure and I think that there are plenty of, of tr- classically trained designers who cannot do that. Yeah, that's probably true. That's also true. But would, that's true in every got profession as well. 30 years of experience and uh, as far as like professional experience and do very high-end work. But when you're only used to working in high-end things, mm-hmm. it's like you lose the ability. Yeah, so I mean, going back to my coaching world, yes, I've also experienced coaches that this is the offense that they've always run with these certain plays and in order to run this offense we need these certain players and at our school we don't get certain kind of players right and so there we were not super successful and they'll blame it on the kids it's like eh, that's it's it's on us you have to be able to adapt in right whereas i mean you've only ever been at the school you've been in so you don't know what it would be like to go to another school but you have been at yours long enough to be able to go, we know we're not going to get those kids. You have to be adaptable in these other ways. Right. But you've certainly watched lots of other coaches come in and you've watched it happen to yeah. where they can't, they can't adapt to yeah, the talent to, to that you guys a, have. A square peg in a round hole kind of situation. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Ad- adaptability in in improv when it comes to our professions i think that that might be um where most people see it the hardest it's i mean i feel like it's one of those skills that separates anybody it separates people that that are good from being great like they're good because they've been to school they've been trained in it they've they've been around it long enough like you know how to be good at it it only seems to really pay off when you're in a crunch right yes. when you're in a situation that isn't a perfect situation i mean that's what makes it improv and that's why you have to improv yeah but that's what makes you great also in my opinion like any any good professional could handle the situation when all of the circumstances are the way they're supposed to be but the great ones are the ones that can take just this really like the Steve Carell situation Mm-hmm. I mean, how many, you know, most people would have, they would have just like cut that scene or they would have ate the money to reshoot it. Yeah. And it would have probably sunk the show kind of thing. Yeah. I just think that that, you're right. That is what separates. I'm not saying I'm a, a great designer uh, as opposed to just a good one. Um, but I do think that that that's what, like it came from my childhood as far as the ability to do it. And then the interest with the clients that I choose to take on is that 99% of them have a challenge like that. And to me, the challenge is fun. Like yeah. to me, design would be really easy and really boring if I got to just pick like unlimited budget. Yeah. Choose like, what you want. Yeah. The budget is what makes it tricky mm-hmm. and what makes the creativity really have to flow. Right. Um, and I think for creative, of course, I'm talking about Steve Carell, who's an actor, but he's still a creative person. Like that's a line of, you know, the whole realm of creativity. Um, and I think that creative people like for there to be some sort of challenge in order for them to be able well, to create. Well, they want create. it to be different. They want don't, don't want it to always be the same. Well, to create something situations. new, yeah. you have to have challenges. Right. That's part of the creative process is to. To have Which to. is so funny. Like everyone likes those um, HGTV shows and all that kind of stuff. It's almost always the same. What do you mean? Like the situations are almost always the same. But know. maybe there's a challenge because I don't know. I don't watch any of that stuff. I make <laughs> I make those shows. I don't watch. <laughs> it's really crazy. I've always been that way. Yeah. To I don't know. I mean, there's always a. I think. Well, that's part of their their show though usually is that there is a challenge and they have to improv of course it's all fake it's a fake improv but that's interesting to people improv is interesting to people i think seeing how people are going to have a challenge and then get out of that situation the problem with most businesses and and like it's in the backdrop usually you don't know there's a challenge it's not a public thing yeah although the client at least in my world the client would know the client would know like we only have a X number of budget. Yeah, how is she going to pull this how one is she off? Gonna, but, but most clients don't realize it's a challenge, I don't think. I think most clients... Well, that's why they're coming to you, though, because they probably can't figure it out, and so they're going to hire a professional, someone that knows how to... No, I think it's more that most most clients don't know what things cost, and I do. Mm-hmm. And when they tell me a budget, I'll shoot it to them straight, but then I'll still try to stick within it the best I can. I right. mean, if it's truly... You know, if they want to pull for $25,000, it's not going to happen. So I try to be real with them. I, I'll not try. I always am real with them. Um, 
and then we stick within the budget and then I'll tell them what we can do creatively to get around it. But I would say for the most part, people don't really realize what a challenge they tell their budgets that they tell me mm-hmm. really are for what they want. They don't have a, you know, most clients don't have a realistic, not realistic, but they don't have an idea as to how much money um, can afford what, how, how much can be afforded with sure. the money that they're telling me that they have. So anyway, there's, challenges to all the different things um i'm not sure i'm super great at improving um business stuff like like on the fly kind of thing yeah i mean because sure. i don't have enough experience with it right yeah every it feels like every business uh pitfall or setback that i have feels like they blindsided you almost like you didn't even know they were coming. <laughs> yeah. Just like a Mack truck just hit you and you're like, what? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't know how to fix this because right. I don't know enough about it. I think it comes. So we talked about that. The experience allows you to have improv, right. I think. Well, because you see it coming probably and you can help redirect it, you know. Help. Well, and you know what possible solutions there could be. Sure. Right. Um, there's plenty of designer stuff. So there's a whole segment of my business that um, I never learned about in school, which is, so if you don't know a lot about my business, um, I was trained as a landscape architect in school. I have a degree in landscape architecture. And in that world, you learn a lot about site planning, construction, um, installation of landscapes, irrigation systems. So you learn a lot about building and construction and things. Mm -hmm. You don't ever learn about um, fabrics furniture like those are all things that i later after my degree was done um and i got into the the world of this business that i wanted to pursue the the soft uh parts the material tart you know not the not the plants and the retaining walls and all that but the furniture Mm -hmm. and so um it's like this weird merge between an interior designer and a landscape architect you know that's interesting because when we were at breakfast this morning i heard that guy ask you oh so did is that landscape architecture? Is that part of the architecture school? And you're like, no, it's part of the design school. We were downstairs from the interior designers. They were yeah. So I wonder why the- that's not part of the curriculum. If you're in a design, like landscape architecture is a design college issue. But so is architecture. Oh, it is. Yeah, architecture is in the same. It's not. Well, I mean, it's divided differently at every college or at every university. You know, we were in the school. They are in the school of architecture. I was in the, de- the school of design is what they called it. Yeah. It's very weird. Architects are designers too. Um, so. It's just interesting that, that those two things, as as closely as they are related. Yeah, I don't know. But so is design, you know, all, I guess all three of those fields are sort of related. But they, Yeah, I don't know how much interior designers learn about construction. I would imagine quite a bit. Um, how much do architects learn about interior design? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. They're they're very uh, close. They are very ha- they're they're siblings of one another for sure. sure. Maybe cousins. I don't know. Yeah. Very closely related, all of them. Um, Seems like there would just be more crossover in the curriculum than there was. Right. And, that and maybe be, there is at other schools. I and don't maybe know. there is now. I don't know. Right. I only know what what happened with me and my education. But LSU in particular was very concerned with site planning and. Um, and all that stuff I still use to this day. It just happened right. to be that the way they were training us was to be like in a big design firm someday, you know, in Dallas, like in a big city, sure. basically. And mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in doing that. I wanted to do residential design. Like most most people coming out of LSU were probably not going to be doing uh, residential design. Right. Um, we didn't focus much on that. 
there's a lot of commercial type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I, I wanted to do residential design, always have. And so what that, what that became for me was the idea of porch and patio furnishings and things like that. I literally learned zero about that stuff. Right. So now I work in a multidisciplinary office. We're just an open workspace, but I have a desk in with a bunch of other interior designers and I'm seeing all their fabric swatches and um, furniture that they've got samples of and all these various different things that they have years of experience with. You talk about the ability to improv Mm -hmm. on that end of things. I got no clue. Yeah. When it comes to picking out a fabric that's durable or like they know all about like brush tests that they do for fabric and pull tests to make sure that like a certain number of times you can sit on them. Like they know all these things about fabric. And it's like a, I mean, I'm like an infant when it comes to that kind of stuff. No clue in the world. Um, And it's, it's definitely something I need to learn because it's anyway. So all that to say, I can't, like I can't improv there. You know, there's an amount of that that I can't do because there's only so much I know. Um, I can improv on the cost of a sectional from, you know, uh, restoration hardware versus target. I could do that. We can get the same look for less. I could do that. I can improv all day on that. But when it comes to the actual fabrics that go on these furnitures and the knowledge of, um, hand tied furniture and all, it's like, I know, I know it exists, but that's about as far as it goes for me. So I really have to rely on asking questions to those people. It's definitely something I want to get yeah, into. Yeah, but though. you know, that seems like a completely different issue than what you were talking about at the beginning with Steve Carell. Um, it seems like in that situation, you have to have a certain amount of knowledge in order to even have the ability. Of course. Yeah. I, Whereas I, in his situation, I don't think you need it. He did. You don't need to have a, a bunch of knowledge of. No, I agree. I do agree with that. I do think that his was more of what I would consider site planning of what I was talking about. Like, I need to be able to do all these things mm-hmm. in this space. Like, I'm trying to relate it to my business, right? So, they told Steve Carell, here's our problem. We, Chili's won't let us do this because of X, Y, Z, but we've already spent this money. So, we need to make sure that, you know, he, we still have the other half to film. Mm-hmm. What can we do? To make sure that X, Y, Z gets solved. Like this equation gets solved. Right. And their Chili's is happy and we don't have to spend any more money. And he was like, this, this, and this. Done. I feel very confident in my ability to do something like that with a landscape plan where it's like, well, you, we told you in the beginning that we needed to do these five activities on this, la- on this site. Mm-hmm. But now we've got six more activities to add. How do we make them all work within? I'm like, bam, we got this. Like, I can I can do that. Because right. most people cannot. That's why they hire me is that they can't think sure. of how they're going to create a place for the kids to play and a place for the pool to go and a place to be able to park four cars. And their kids are about to be teenagers. So they're going to be adding two more cars in the next five years. And they're mm-hmm. planning to stay there. And, oh, we're going to get a dog this Christmas, too. Like, right. how do we make all this work? The insurance company told us that we had to have a uh, fence around the pool. Um, yeah, just all these stipulations. Just, I mean, that's what my, that is what my work. business is, right. the whole thing. And so mine is, like, coming up with the right recipe of things to be able to put all the put all the spices that you want in there mm-hmm. and still make it taste good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but again, I think that a lot of that depends on you with your experience and your knowledge. Of course. In a subject, whereas with like a, a true improv guy, gal, 
whatever. I mean, I I think that they you could put them in almost any discipline and they would they would just figure their way out of it. You know, you're saying Steve Carell as a comedian could go um, become a designer and just figure his way out of it because he's got an improv brain. What are you talking about? I mean, maybe not that specifically, but I I think he would like people that are just creative and and think. Um, I don't like you have to think outside the box. He seems like a guy that just thinks outside the box, and so he would come up with solutions. But to, I think to it's stuff. Be- I think it's because he has a brain for it because he's practiced it. It was like when I was a cheerleader in high school, which we have a child who's a cheerleader now, and she's constantly running around doing dances. Mm -hmm. You know this. Yes. When I was her age, I could memorize a new dance that I'd never seen before in a day, if that, and I would have it. Now, it it would take me three weeks to learn a routine. A routine. Any kind of thing. I mean, you know, we were in Dancing yeah. with the Stars. And so I think your brain, it's its an exercise. It's a muscle where yeah. you're... You get in the mode of doing things. Yes. And, and I have been, Steve Carell has been, and I have been in... Me and Steve Carell, you know, we're just tight like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're in the same league for sure in our own professions. Um, I'm just kidding. But um, when, you do, when you're doing it for years and years, it becomes second nature. Sure. Essentially, or... Right? Second nature? Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. So I would imagine, too, if that... Ha- I mean, same thing with your football stuff. I could not step in and just think of solutions to problems that occur yeah, right. in your job. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm trying to wrap my head around the ultimate question. that, Like, how do you improve your um, ability to to adapt and to improv like if you know you're bad at it even within your own job or maybe just in general or like in your case you know that you're bad at it when it comes to making plans for the kids but we don't have to do it that often and so i don't get the opportunity to um to practice improv on that very often there's plenty of so things that's the key like put yourself in positions where yes. you have to do it yes absolutely and i would say it's like you would agree that I was a much more anxious mom and wouldn't let anything get past me, you know, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I've really, I mean, they've worn me down at this point. And now it's just like, I'm going to let three quarters of it go past me. Not in like a disciplinary way, but there's just stuff that when it comes up now, it's like, I'll just deal with it. Like it is what it is. They just wear you out, you know? Well, you you learn to choose that not every fight is worth fighting. So I think I've Im- so I've learned choose, to improv better. You choose the ones to fight. And you choose to fight. I mean, I would say the way that you fight also is you've adapted. Like, you can't take on every problem head on. Like, face first. Here I come into the problem. Oh, I've learned that for sure. What You mean when it comes to, like, the kids' school and mm-hmm. stuff? Oh, yeah. I did learn that one early. You now, said, my uh, improv technique on that is just to not get involved. <laughs> I, don't know if that, I don't know if that's an improv. I think that's just a overall theory or philosophy on um involvement yeah i was always i was always the mom who um you know i had had have um other mom friends and you know we'd we'd hang out together at a coffee or whatever and other moms would be grumbling and complaining about something and i agreed with it you know um we need to do something about this Catherine. why don't you say something so Mm -hmm. i would say something and then everyone else would back up and like 
no, that's, that's not how I feel about it. Yeah. Like numbers are always stronger. <laughs> like I don't mind saying something if you'll all stand with me. Sure. But when you're the person that's constantly saying something and everyone else is acting like it's not a problem when they just told me 10 minutes ago when we were talking at coffee that it was a problem and you were extremely fiery about it. Right. You were equally as fiery as I was. You just didn't want to be the person to say something. Right. Eventually I got tired of being, it didn't take long. Maybe it probably happened twice or three times where basically I was, had turned into the school B. Like I was the mean one who was yeah. constantly in uh, direct uh, opposition opposition of whatever it is that they they wanted to do, and it was yeah. just everyone else against me. And I was like, you know what? That, this is not the position for me. Right. That's when I realized I was not ever. And I've always felt this way. Like, who the heck wants to be president? You got to be a total sociopath to want to be yeah. a president or to lead the free world. Like, what kind of crazies want to have that kind of power or amount of people not liking you? Or not that I need people to like me, but I just don't, I can't deal with caring that much about any given subject in order to, to Yeah, but I would say that that's much. the same. I mean, we're kind of getting off topic right now, but... <laughs> I would say it's the same for people that are like in the military or like you care that much that you're going to go grab up a rifle and go over there. Oh, like you care I, that much? Look, I think Jocko, I mean, you listen to Jocko oh, and, I and I don't know that that guy ever thought like, I think he just was like, and wanted to just like, yeah, he wanted to go shoot something. Yeah. And I think he said that. And so he would do whatever it would take to get to that point. I sure. mean, there's plenty of people like that. That's just a personality thing. Yeah, but I think um, that's the same way with someone, maybe. I mean, I think most people that want to be president are probably psycho. <laughs> but there probably are also <laughs> people that disagree. like that truly feel like, no, the country needs me. I'm the only one that can do this. The country needs but me. But I mean, at some point, there's plenty of people who have tried. And they get so beaten down. Sure. By, they, they, they have all the um, positive thoughts like, I'm going to change. Like that. You know, they're going to light the world on fire. Mm -hmm. It's just like anybody that, like, gets out of college. They think they're going to be the whatever. Right. And then you deal with, like, corporate America for long enough or the system in general, whatever that system is, Mm -hmm. whether it's military or political or whatever, and you're just like, eh, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. That's me. I'm good. I'm going to try for a minute. I'm going to light the world on fire for a minute, and then it's probably going to beat me down enough to where I'm just like, I don't care that much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care enough. You know, I don't know. It just it just seems like I don't know. Maybe that's a part where I can't improv enough to Well, again, it gets back. It's I mean, you have to care first of all, which things like that you just don't care about. Of course, it's like anything else. Do you want to have you want to lose weight? You got to eat healthy and you got to exercise. Right. And then you start to get into like I don't know. I think that's where people start to maybe not improv, but learn more and more and more about like specific. Because you get, okay, you go from like a 400 pound man and you want to lose weight because you just need to lose weight. So mm-hmm. then you go and lose weight and then it's like, oh, but now I want my triceps to pop out or I want for right. my yeah. whatever. And so you start to like tweak the system. Or a like little most bit. people, you probably, you know, neither of us are in bad shape. And even probably when we were in our worst shape, you lose. 10 or 15 pounds and then like that's all you can lose you know you, you plateau or your the routine your diet that's all it will allow yeah, and so you need if you care enough to you need to improvise you need to come up with something that like if you want to keep losing or if you want to get more cut or you want to whatever yeah and that I, I think there is a when it comes to stuff like that I mean like even in the Steve Carell case 
he could have just not cared, you know? Of course. He could have let someone else take care of the problem. Right. So, I mean, I think that there, that's a big part of it is you have to care to want to get better at, at whatever it is, whether yeah. it's your job, whether it's... And I think it's fair to say, too, it's like anything else. You can't be great at everything, right? So we're talking about in order to be good at improv, then you need to be pretty practiced and good at whatever this one thing sure. is. And I think that the pressure that a lot of people are feeling through social media and things like that are the pressure to be good at everything. I mm-hmm. need to be the good mom who can cook good meals and throw good parties and dress my kids well. And like, I don't feel that pressure personally, but a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And we can't, you can't be good at it all. You'll lose your mind. Yeah. You'll absolutely lose your mind. So pick something and go deep. You know, there's, there's good things to say about going deep on a subject matter that then you can you can improv on right. later on. So don't feel like, I mean, yes, I would love to improve places where I don't think I'm thriving, like adapting to when the kids need to make different plans. Like I know I'm bad at that. And that may yeah. never change. I strive well, for it to I'll get better. Well, I'll say this too, though, to be fair to you. Up to this point, our kids weren't, and really within the last maybe three years, our kids started really getting involved in sports and other after-school activities. And so for the most part, um, you would drop them off at 3 o'clock, you pick them up, and that was it. And now they're all starting to play sports. They're all in different sports. They're all different ages. Some are with the high school. Some are with grade school. Some are at jujitsu. I mean, like it's at just what a, point it's a are bunch you giving, of different things. What are you giving me credit for? I'm waiting for that. Well, to you've happen. never, you've never had to do this. Before. Oh, it's a whole, oh, it's a brave new world now that they're all doing different yeah. things. And, and I, I was telling, I think I was telling our oldest this. Um, we were having a conversation about something like this, and I said, "Well, I'm just used to this because this was this was my childhood. There were seven of us. We were all a year apart for the most part." And we were all going somewhere different after school. Yeah, we were that all was on a different sport. 100% not my childhood. And it was go find a ride if you want to do it. And, you know, and you did it. And we worked it out. I don't even know if my parents knew half the time how we were getting to where we were getting. I'm sure they knew to some extent. Like they knew probably that we had games or practice, but they weren't super involved with how we were going to get there. It was kind of like, oh, you have practice on Tuesday? Okay. Yeah, well, thanks for thanks for letting me know, kind of thing. Not like, okay, I'll get you there. It we was, are super involved in how well, they're getting everywhere. Yes, but I think at the same time, we're at least I know that I'm trying to teach them. Like, look, you're going to get a ride for that. I don't yeah. know how you're going to get home, but you have practice at this time. I have to take your little brother here. You need to figure out how to get me there. How to get there? Yeah, we've done that several times. It's definitely not the normal. So I mean, though. like, I'll help them. They're they're so young right now. Like, they don't really know how to get rides, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, you got to teach We're those skills. We're helping them figure that out. Yeah. And I was used to that. Like, that was my childhood, and I know that that was not your childhood, so. I was probably the first kid. Well, that's not true. My older, were very spread apart in age, so there were never four of us to take the activities all at one time. Right. Um, but I was probably the most active sports-wise of any of the kids, because, you mm-hmm. know, I'm a Division One athlete. You are. Scholar athlete. Once, scholar. once a Division One athlete, always a Division One athlete. True. It's like I was a Navy uh, in the Navy. What are they right. called? A Marine. I'm sorry, the Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Once a Division One athlete, always. It's true. Are you going to put it on my tombstone one day? Uh, it will say that somewhere. D1 scholar athlete. Scholar athlete. <laughs> we'll just take that plaque and 
fasten it. <laughs> fasten it to my gravestone. Yeah. Um, so there was definitely not nearly as much running around. So it was not my childhood at all. And so the idea right, of, so you're having to learn how to adapt to it stresses me out. That. Be real Whereas honest. for me, it's just like we're going to figure it out. And and that was like during football season, you were running people around, and I was just working my normal old nine to five. And yeah, and it's it's going to be so much easier now that football's over. I can't the wait. Idea of it's my favorite part of the year when football's over. Run people around is not even not even difficult for me at all. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Post football season, pre football season. Yeah, it doesn't last long. So anyway, that's our conversation on improv. How good are you at improving? What are what is the area of your life that you're really good at improving? It possibly could be your job. It's probably something that you have spent your entire life doing. It could be riding motorcycles. It could be something that you do for a hobby. Um, something that you know so well that you probably look around and go, "Why don't you know about that?" Yeah. Why don't you know? Because you've been doing it a long time, buddy, mm-hmm. and that's why you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. So that's the other part of it too. Don't be judging other people for not being able to improv. Maybe maybe this is a good way for you to capitalize. If you're someone who doesn't have a job right now and you're looking for a way to start a business, because I know that a lot of people are like, I want to run a business. What can it be? Maybe the thing that you're so good at that you can improv your way through it easily. Maybe that's the thing. It could be so niche. Niche jobs and businesses are where it is at, y'all, for sure. Like, I'm just imagining all the niche things that you can go so, so deep with that no one else is doing, and that's how you really make some good money. Yeah. Everybody tries to spread themselves too thin and go general. You want to go niche and go deep. So try to figure out what your thing is that you can improv, and I bet you could really hone in and make a good business out of it. So anyway, don't forget to give us those five stars. Subscribe and tell your friends all about us. Until next time, bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.